Hey guys, welcome to the Lonnie Swain Show podcast where I share my journey and invite others to share theirs. I'm your host, Lonnie Swain, media personality and social influencer. I'm on Instagram at Lonnie Swain, L-O-N-I-S-W-A-I-N and the podcast is on Instagram at Lonnie Swain Show. Now me and this woman go way back. We work together in Baltimore, my very first full-time radio gig. She was the executive producer and co-host on the morning show at the time. And since then, she has left radio and has not looked back. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think you were going to be when you grew up? I was going to be an entertainment lawyer. And how did that transition into radio? Well, when I was like 17, 18, I had met a young woman who's one of my closest friends now. And she interned for Bad Boy. And she was just like, we're looking for a street team. And I kind of like started, you know, my whole trek into the entertainment industry by being street team, promotion, promotional street team for Bad Boy Records. It was a year of the bad girl. So like that's when Faith and Total and all those people came out. Um, I grew up in New York and we were the street team promotion people for them. So we would go everywhere they went and we would give out their CDs and promote them and do, do dancing and you know, all this stuff. Even mm-hmm. we were even on a Source Award. Oh, wow point in time um, when Biggie was on stage doing the whole prayer thing and, and Puffy was just, so we were the monks mm-hmm. on stage. Um, <laughs> so is this on YouTube? Can I go pull this uh, yeah, video yeah, up? Yeah, we were the monks. So we were the monks. <laughs> And, okay. Um, so, you know, you know, we're like 17, 18 years old being there to see like the birth, I say the birth of hip hop, but just hip hop transcend into a whole new realm of MTV, TRL that put it on a whole different type of platform. So, so I then went to college because her, she and I were, I went to the same college. Mm-hmm. We went to college. Senior year, my uncle was. Um, you went to Hampton, uh, right? Yeah, I went to Hampton University, mm-hmm. and my uncle was really good friends with, um, he used to live with the guys who started FUBU. So I used to wear, they used to give me shirts and stuff and hats to like wear around um, the neighborhood because, you know, they needed people Promotion. to promote you know, and, and rock their stuff. And people were like, what's, what's for us, by us? And, you know, they had like, you know, all the black kind of caricature um, people on the shirts and it's F-U-B-U and people would ask me and I will tell them what it was. So I went to college and I came back and they had blown up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. I was like, oh man, like I want to intern for them when I come back in the summertime. So my uncle spoke to Damon John and he was like, cool, yeah, she could, you know, she could come and intern, no problem. They work in Empire State building. So I worked with them for like a summer and experienced and saw um, hip hop fashion, you know, transcend also into all different types of markets. And I was like, I'm going to be an entertainment lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had left Hampton my junior year and got to um, finish, went to Stony Brook to finish up my last year in college. And I met this woman who was one of the first female TV directors and her father was like one of the first directors period in the industry they started like the food network one of the first directors for cnn and she um i started working with her and then i just started kind of producing all of the shows fashion shows um pageants um everything at stony brook anything that had some type of function latino so-and-so organization, the Alpha Pageant, the Miss Alpha, whatever it was, my name was behind the production of it. Hmm. And so my last year, I just started producing like all of these shows for Stony Brook because I was coming from a black college that had a little bit more flair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Only a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. A whole lot more flair. And I also had, um, you know, I had worked with Bad Boy and I worked with Fubu and just saw things on a whole different level. Uh, and then I started working with her and she had gotten me an internship for MSNBC with Don Imus. And, you know, just working my last senior year and doing all this production stuff, I kind of fell in love with being a producer. Mm-hmm. And that kind of became my passion of, of being uh, an event producer. And um, I graduated. My mom had moved to uh, right outside Philadelphia. And I ended up getting a job at Fox. And I started working with them and being a production assistant for their morning show. Then I started segment producing and then I worked on an independent film and then I got hired as the morning show producer for the number one morning show in Philadelphia just from making all those types of relationships being in Philadelphia and then that kind of like
like opened up my Rolodex because you know at that time Philadelphia was the fourth market in mm-hmm. the country. Who um, was that so, morning show? Was that QDZ? That was QDZ. That was we were on Power ninety nine. We were the Dream Team morning show. That was the morning show that Wendy Williams came from. So Wendy had just left, and they had brought in another girl, um, Danya Blaze, to take her place. And Kobe Cole was the morning guy, and D Lee and QDZ. Um, so anyway, so I started being the morning show producer for them, and I was about 20, 24, mm-hmm. right? So I was 24, and I was like the morning show, morning show, and I was just like, I brought my television experience to radio. And I was there during a the time when um, Music Soul Child, Jill Scott, um, Black Lily, um, them state property, Jay-Z was always in Philadelphia, Beanie Siegel. I mean, all of this stuff was happening the time I was in Philly. So from like mm-hmm. 2000. 2004, Philly was on fire. It was like a, it was the music scene, right? Mm-hmm. Um, during that time period. So, you know, we were privy to all kinds of um, uh, drama. Yeah. <laughs> but also, um, it was drama, but it was also a lot of really good music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like um, uh, Neo Soul at that yeah. time was everything, you know, and mm-hmm. we were, they were the mecca of Neo Soul with all of these artists that were coming out of um, Larry Gold's studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Roots, you know, all these folks were just there um, working there. So it was just, it was just a melting pot of music. So I was able to form like really great relationships from that as well. And um, then they syndicated. They syndicated a morning show and put Star and Block Wow on um, the morning show. So I was kind of like out of a job. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, welcome uh, to radio, folks. That's how it happens. <laughs> like, one day you're like, hey, and the next day you're like, OK, no. Right. Mm-hmm. It is the morning show. And I had a, I, but, I, you know, I still had a really great relationship with Kobe Cole because Kobe Cole was the first one to give me my radio job. And then he was he had referred me down. They knew he they knew they were looking for something in Baltimore with a morning show and on air personality. But I had never really been on air and I've always been been like kind of like a shy person who likes more behind the scenes kind of thing mm-hmm. and um because I'm, I'm a very private person so it took me a while to kind of grow into being a personality yeah on here mm-hmm. and um I came into a kind of like hostile situation after they hired me for the p- position in Baltimore for 92Q because you know the they uprooted the woman who had started with them, with the Mark Clark and the Big Fat Morning Show. The the producer, I mean, the um, PM wanted a change. Mm-hmm. And uh, they weren't happy about it. The show wasn't happy about it. And um, the audience wasn't happy about it. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they all, they just, all they knew was the dream team. And I came in kind of like the villain, even though I didn't have anything to do with the firing. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, so Welcome to I- radio yet again. They kind of throw you in the fire and then say, you know, <laughs> make it, make it beautiful. <laughs> so I did that and, you know, it ended up working out really well and um, it helped me come into my own as well. And even during that time period, I said relationships are so important. And in Philadelphia, I was um, looking to do a, my own show and I had gotten together with this guy named Will Griffin. And Will Griffin was a uh, investor and executive producer with Stan Layton and Russell Simmons. So they kind of produced uh, Run's House, mm-hmm. um, Making of the Band. All of those things were underneath the uh, Russell Simmons, Stan Layton, Will Griffin brands. And he told me, he's like, Sanjay, he's like, On Demand is about to take off and I'm, I'm, I'm forming this um, On Demand Comcast channel um, called Hip Hop On Demand on Comcast. Comcast is just launching this, this new um, platform and and I, I want to get any content. And you have a relationship with Philadelphia and with Baltimore. When you have celebrities come in, I would send a camera crew and we want to record it. So I was like, sure. Okay. Because, you know, some of the TV shows that we were pitching, you know, it, it never really developed. So he had this other platform and he kind of taught me how to, like, have my own business. He's like, well, you know, I'm paying you to be the um, casting uh, uh, director for this, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and booking you know, doing booking and my booking agent. And he's just like, he's like, I need, you know, you have to have your own company and you have to do this and you have to do that. And he's kind of gave me the template to start my own company and get my LLC together. And I said, I had no, I was fumbling, bumbling through. I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. like I've always worked for someone for someone and I did it. 
and it was and then when I started doing that more people wanted me you know to to do, do it for them other, yeah do other projects because mm-hmm. when you're a morning show producer you have you are the marketer you know you have to come up you're the marketing team so you mm-hmm. have to come up with like different dynamic things to get your morning show to be uh, recognized across different platforms mm-hmm. and so I would you know I had done something when you know when Diddy did no when Diddy ran the marathon mm-hmm. you know I had done a similar version to that in Philadelphia with Q and he partnered with Fox uh, that was the first time he ever partnered with Fox now we look umpteen years later he's got he a bad show. show on Fox and that was because of the relationship that I bridged between him and Fox because they partnered with us and they ran some of the marathon with him and it was like Diddy it was Q Diddy runs the city you know mm-hmm. so we did a play off of that and then I did a came to Baltimore I did like this whole event with Dancing with the like a version of Dancing with the Stars mm-hmm. um, and we did something along those lines to help um, raise money for HIV so I started just doing all these little events and then I said we had a number one morning show every when we come on our morning show from Ray Lewis to um, Ed Reed, um, you know, all of the Ravens players, the, the governor, everyone would come on our morning show, Carmel Anthony, and they were like, you know, we want you to help us produce our events. We want to have a celebrity event, and can you produce one for us? So I said, okay. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. with my new company, and um, Ed Reed was having his event. He brought Frankie Beverly and Mays down here, and they were like, you know, you for sponsorship and a friend of mine I went to high school was like you know we got this new vodka called Ciroc hmm. he didn't know what they were doing either and they were like and I was stupid because I should have asked for the money and they were like do you want product or money and I'm like oh we just want product when mm-hmm. I could have you know got some money like, got some money you know mm-hmm. so um, that was like one of their first promotions here in the area <laughs> mm-hmm. um, was having Ciroc be a sponsor for the Ed Reed I think it was his 30th birthday at that point in time mm-hmm. um, for his 30th birthday party so I see you know and you look back and all these things kind of running together yeah. and it was a year before um, I was in the middle of negotiating my contract in 2008 we had just interviewed Barack Obama he had just won office mm-hmm. and the everything was tanking right the economy was going through its issues and so was Radio 1 so in the middle of negotiating my contract they were like we're pulling the show we're putting on Ricky Smiley Mm-hmm. Yet again, for, for those what? listening, yet again, syndication, which is cost effective for companies because they don't have to pay to have live bodies as, you know, the whole team in the studio and they can, you know, put one show on multiple networks throughout the company like a Ricky Smiley, Tom Joyner, Steve Harvey, The Breakfast Club. You know, that's what the, the radio trend is going to. Yes. And at that time, you know, comedians, you know, hosting a a morning show that was like popular, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was the thing. And they decided to bring in Ricky Smiley into uh, 92Q. So I was out Mm -hmm. of a job. But Mm -hmm. even I was out of a job. I had my own company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so God was preparing me for another venture that I had no idea um, was going to happen. And I just said, you know what? These people are still asking me to do their events. I'm going to continue doing it. I'm just going to build upon that. And I'm going to build upon the relationships that I have. And that's what I just started doing. Like, And I just took off from there and I never kind of looked back. So at any point when they said, okay, we're going in a different direction, we're getting syndicated show, did you think, oh, let me go apply for another radio job? Did you think, oh, let me go apply for a job, period? Did you apply for any jobs? No, I didn't. Um, I, I remember when it happened, uh, the day it happened, we were like, what? Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because I said we're in the middle of negotiating my contract. I just spoke to them the day before, and they were trying to, like, tell me that they couldn't give me a raise because I was the highest paid producer in the company, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. They were trying to give me incentives through bonus, right? Uh-huh. And some bullshit like that. And then they were like, um, and they called me in. Everything happened. We were like, whoa. And I'm, like, sitting there like, wow, this is happening again, right? Yeah. You know, you're mm-hmm. like, again? Mm-hmm. And... 
I have a lot of again stories. I'm going to have to do a podcast just about that. But go ahead. <laughs> again? Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember just walking to go see a friend of mine because I was working on an outside project that he was trying to launch this thing in China. And he had wanted me to come on because I was kind of trying to make my exit strategy. But I just, you know, you have to kind of be pushed a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I felt that radio had a glass ceiling right? mm-hmm. and I felt that I was at the glass ceiling and mm-hmm. I didn't know which I wasn't being fulfilled mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't I felt that my talents were being limited and I had that feeling so my having my own business kind of gave me a little bit of outlet but I was, I was just doing little jobs here and there and when this happened I remember I remember walking with a sigh of relief, but also kind of confused of like, what's next? Yeah. And I remember going to my friend's office and I told him what happened and he just kind of reassured me like, okay, well, we're going to start giving you, getting you some projects and getting you some jobs. And I was like, okay. And I was kind of a little bit in a daze, like, oh, what am I going to do? Yeah. But I just kind of went out on faith on it, you know, and people. People did offer me jobs. People did say, oh, um, Frank, he's hiring, looking for so-and-so in Atlanta, and this person did it. Mm-hmm. And I just was just like, nah. You know, I kind of <laughs> just told me I was going back into the same thing that I was frustrated with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt that I was going to feel limited and just waking up and being like, why am I going to this place? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or waking up to see, oh, we decided that for whatever reason we're syndicating this show or we're doing this or something else and now the rug's being pulled from under you again. Again. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like Atlanta and I, I was just kind of like, I'm, I'm fine. And then the people offered me like government jobs like here. We're gonna, I was like, I wasn't making that when I was working in radio. I'm not taking that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going back to that. That's just, that's not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just decided to go out on faith and I just started hustling. Yeah. I just started hustling and calling into my relationships and into my network and tapping into my network. And I mean, there were times, there were scary times, you know, QDZ always reminds me of the time when I was like, I don't know if it's going to work. <laughs> you know, what time, what time was that? What year was that? Was that 2008? 2009, okay. 2000, you know, 2009, early 2010. Mm-hmm. You know, because I started doing. So we did the we did a hip hop inauguration ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, so it was like okay, we're getting into other projects. So I did the hip hop inauguration ball. That was in 2009. Then I had another client, um, you know, hired me to do their. It, so it it was like the things were happening, but I had to hustle. Yeah, like, I had to hustle. Then I was on unemployment, and you know, and it was it was hard. Um, but I would get little projects here and there. But then I was on, you know, on, on unemployment to a certain, ex, you know, extent that the sur- you know, surplus helped, of course. Yeah. Um, all of those things ha- happened and worked, and I just started every single thing I did because I did it at a, such a, I felt like a really good level with, with, with the lack of resources that I had. I would just promote it. Mm-hmm. So I just started creating like. Uh, stuff via Facebook, stuff via uh, um, a promotion app, mm-hmm. and I would just send out to all of my contacts like, "This is Sanjay Productions, and this is what she's doing. Mm-hmm. This is Sanjay Productions, this is what she's doing. This is Sanjay Productions, this is what she's doing." And I just kept promoting in that way, and people started paying attention. Mm-hmm. People started saying, "Like, oh, that looks great. Oh, that looks amazing. Mm-hmm. That look, oh my gosh!" And that was like, you know, before Instagram or anything like that. Yeah. And I and I can and I started using. These resources to try to build my platform and to expand my brand, and uh, it helped because people started noticing, and then they started inquiring, and then they started asking me to do, you know, more events. And then, you know, I had a colleague of mine who used to come on my morning show. She was just like she started giving me little small projects, promotion and marketing projects, and I started doing them for her, and I would do them at such a high level. She and I was dependable. I showed up, I did everything I was supposed to do, and then she just started getting me bigger contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, because I proved to her that 
I was dependable and I was resourceful for doing what I needed to do for her. And that's just kind of how it how it worked, you know. But mm -hmm. I, he, he laughed and he's like, oh, you were like, I'm, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. It's 2000. It was probably 2009, early 2010, because I said it was still I was in I, I was basically going out to start my business full time in the middle of a recession. Yeah. You know, and the first thing that people cut our budget for events. They cut yeah. all the frills. Mm -hmm. Marketing. You know, a lot of people feel like, even to this day, you know, sometimes people want to skimp on the marketing, feeling like, you know, they don't need that. And, and too, just stepping out into the unknown in a whole yeah. new realm and basically doing a total career transition where you're yeah. used to getting a paycheck every two weeks and now you only eat what you kill. You know, it's like like, that's a totally different thing. And I think, you know, Instagram and social media really glamorizes entrepreneurship these days. But they don't see the the nights that you're up trying to calculate, okay, now, if this don't come through, how am I going to pay this bill? And how is this going to happen? And this person didn't pay their invoice and this didn't happen. And, you know, because you don't have that steady paycheck to rely on coming from a company. You know, you really have to do the, all the work yourself and people don't realize that they don't realize that you know say, say they have a $70,000 job they don't realize that for you to make 70000 for you to hustle mm -hmm. yourself to make $70,000 from different people that's a lot yeah. you know and that's, that is taken out that is your base salary that is not all the other things you need to take out of that $70,000 to keep your business going. Exactly. Growing. Exactly. So, you know, you don't understand how hard it is to get someone to cut you a $5,000 check, a $10,000 check mm -hmm. um, to do certain things. Instagram and social media does glamorize it, but I said it's always an interesting dynamic because everyone wants to be a girl boss or I'm a boss dick. And, and it really, they're really not because when you look at the revenue or they, you know, they're working at their job and, um, and you know, making whatever money that they're making and that's but they can't quit their job because they can't sustain their lifestyle if they didn't have their job right, right. Mm -hmm. um, and I said that's one thing to live off of your salary but then it's also money that your business is making that's one thing that you for your livelihood but then your business has to make a certain amount of money for you to keep your business going you right. know for you to have different things that you need in place for your business and then cash flow that's mm -hmm. the biggest lesson that I learned is cash flow as I said people don't pay invoices is on time, this is that, whatever may be going on, it's, it's not the same type of consistency when you have, you're working for someone, which is the paycheck is coming every two weeks or whatever. Right. And you have to understand, like with my, my um, line of business, I had to understand when was the slow time and when was the prime time, you know, mm -hmm. and not to spend when you're making a lot of money during the summertime or fall time, whatever, by the time January, February comes around and it is slowing down. Crooked. Yeah, it's slowing down because no one's going to events in the dead of winter. Right. Um, you have to still be able to survive. You have to still be able to pay your bills because. You know, I have clients now. They owe me lots of money. And I, I, I because I've learned my cash flow, I'm mm -hmm. able to still sustain my business because yeah. my staff still have to get paid. Other things have to get, get mm -hmm. done. Bills have to, bills are there. And those things still have to get done, even though this person may owe me, you know, $30,000 or whatever it may be. And so when you were having that moment where you were telling QDZ, oh, my God, I don't know if I'm going to make it. What kept you going? What what prevented you from going out and applying for that government job or saying, hey, I know I said I didn't really like Atlanta, but let me take that job? I'm I'm just not a quitter, you know. I, I have a I have a big fear of failure, and everyone fails. You know, I failed. I've had events where zero people showed up, zero. You know, zero, <laughs> zero. You know, one or two. You know, my friends like, hey, and everyone's looking at me like, ooh, and it was hurtful. You know, you go home, you cry it out, mm -hmm. but. I've always been an optimist and I'm always 
going to push myself more like to get it back up on that horse and let's get going because I don't believe in failure. Like that's the last option. Like mm-hmm. no, and failure, that's the last option. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're going to keep pushing forward to make this happen. That's just kind of my personality where I'm like, I'm not going to, you know, because I know that's not for me, you know, like that's not. I'm not a I'm not a nine to five person in that way. Mm-hmm. I've had my business for ten years. Ten years, you know. Yeah. This is, last year was my tenth year. Congratulations! And thank you. When I look back on it, I'm like, you know, and SAQ was like laughing, and he's like, "Are you?" And I and I guess he was the only person that I was crying to because I don't remember anyone else. Like no one else reminds me of that. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, um, basically, like, oh my god, because we were both at that time going into a different transition of our career. He was taking a leap of going from Philadelphia to L.A. Mm-hmm. And, I, and he was scared. And I was like, you need to do it. That's going to put you on a whole different level, a um, whole different level of relationships. You have to go out there. What, what's keeping you? If you don't do it, you're only going to get older, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and you're going to have that regret of never make, taking that jump. That fear is what keeps a lot of people from doing what they want to do. That fear is what keeps a lot of people from living their best life, from, you know, some of their best experiences. Just that fear of the unknown. People will, there's a quote that I read recently that I love, is that people will settle for a mediocre familiar than to venture out for a extravagant unknown. Well, and I, I just said someone called me and he was like, Are you, you know, you got, you got a lot of money. You travel a lot. He, I was like, no, I don't have a lot of money. I just have a lot of courage. And he was just like, what? I said, I just have a lot of courage. I have the courage to get on a plane and go somewhere I've never been before mm-hmm. and eat food I've never been before and be in a place that speaks a different language that doesn't, that I don't speak. Mm-hmm. And I said, and it's I said what I've learned as I've gotten older is that most people do not have that courage you know most people do not have that courage when it comes down to it to go somewhere that they they don't have that courage within them to do it they will stay in their um, 25 mile radius yeah literally (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that's it and eat and they don't want to experience anything else and they look at it and they're like wow that's really nice and wow that's really great but Mm -hmm. they cannot wrap their minds around doing anything different and you know and something you know people now have got getting on planes because it's the cool thing to do is the Instagram people are showing but they're not really even having a good time because they're just really doing it for Instagram right they're not really experiencing the culture or really understanding it's like when you see the world just through one one pair of lenses like it's so limited yeah so fear does handicap a lot of people and you don't realize that until you ask someone to do something that they've never done before and see their their willingness or their resistance mm-hmm. and also too it's not a about having money but it's about budgeting you know yeah. there's so many people that you know feel like oh I can't go to wherever Cancun Paris you know anywhere out the country but it's like well if you stop going to Miami every yeah. month you know <laughs> then it's like save that and you could go to wherever you want it you know if you just budget it or instead of getting every new pair of Jordans or every you know new piece of jewelry or handbag or whatever you know, you just prioritize what's important to you. And if travel is important to you, put it in the budget. Start saving. It's just, you meet great people. You see different things. I mean, it's just different. It's and just different. to me, it's you learn about yourself, business. too, when you travel yeah. other places. Yeah. And it helps my business. It mm-hmm. helps me with inspiration. It yeah. helps me bring back something that America may not have. Or, yeah. may, or people that I'm doing events with may have not experienced. If someone's listening right now and they're thinking, man, that sounds like the life, you know, I'm going to this nine to five job. I hate it. But they're in that that space of fear. What would you say to encourage them or what would your advice be about stepping out and taking that leap? Entrepreneurship is not for everyone, right? Entrepreneurship, I'm repeating again. Entrepreneurship is not for everyone. I had met with this young girl and she was telling me um, she wanted to be an entrepreneur. She's like, but Sanjay, I am a worry wart. 
And I said, well, honey, was it me? Is it me you're talking about? No, just like. <laughs> I just looked at her and I was just like, and I told her, I said, entrepreneurship is not for everyone. I said, you know, I had a young lady come and work with me. She went to, you know, shadow me. And she was just like, you're not stressed out. I said, because I said, we have this event. I said, it's, it's going to happen, right? I said, I've spoken to all my vendors. I've worked with them many times. They know what I expect. I've done all the pre-planning beforehand. Now it's just about execution. I said, so what am I stressed about, about execution when we've already talked about this pre-planning and I've worked with these people prior? Mm-hmm. Um, I said, so everything's going to fall in place because they know what I expect. And I said, as you get older and you start doing, you know, things, crap happens all the time. I mean, I've had, I've had fires break out my event, almost burnt down a building. I mean, it has been, because I said I entrusted certain things to different people, not knowing that they're not really, they weren't really trustworthy for certain things, you know? And it's been super stressful. People think events are, no, it's stressful because things change. And if you're not used to things happening, changing, and you adapting to it, it's not for you, right? <laughs> It's not for you because when you're an entrepreneur, you have to learn business, right? And you have to, like I said, money management, time management. And if that's not a strong suit of yours, either you hire someone who, who is, if that is a strong suit of your, theirs, or because a lot of businesses fail. A lot of people open up businesses and they don't, they don't last because you, either you're making a lot of money, you're spending it too much, um, you're, there's a lot of mismanagement. And I was, I was just meeting with a friend of mine and he was just telling me that how he had this payroll, but he was getting paid this and then his business fell apart. And I was just like, well, how you do that? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> in my head, I'm just like, well, how you do that? Because, you know, but it's because he was probably spending more than he was making. He was pocketing probably more. He wanted to be showy. Probably got a fancy car. Probably got this, probably got that. And you have to save for rainy days. You have to save for rainy days when you have your own business because crap happens all of the time money you know invoices don't get paid this and you have to make sure that you're covered because if you're if you are missing payroll with your staff or whatever it may be then there goes your business because then the people aren't showing up to do the work right (laughs) and i said if you're used to if you're comfy but coming in and you are not able to process and being flexible with changes then you need to stay at your nine to five job and then find your passion in something else, but leaping out there without having the proper um, mindset or um, the ability to change and grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> not not going to work for Don't you. Don't do it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I said, everyone is, everyone is not meant to be an entrepreneur. Some people are great worker bees. You know, I've had friend, I've had workers who I'm like, oh, he's a great worker bee. Let me see if I could advance him to being a supervisor because he's always on time. He always this is that the other. But he didn't really like to deal with people. He was just a worker bee. He just gave him the work and he would just execute to give him a check and he was ready to go home. He did not want to have the responsibility of having to call and manage people and supervise people to make sure that they're on time and doing what they're supposed to do. You know, people always, when they see you and they see you being successful, they're like, I want to do that. But do you really have the, the tenacity and the um, courage and uh, perseverance. perseverance when you fail to get back up? As I said, I've had zero people, like <laughs> when I say zero, I mean like five people show up at an event that I invested this money in. And, and then like, you have to still go back and then with the same enthusiasm, plan another event. Plan and not another. think about the fact yeah. that you just had an event with only two people. Two people coming, you know, like. Go That's the hard part. That's the hard part. You know, that's the hard part of dusting yourself off and being like, that shit did not work. Okay. Maybe let's try I, it again. Yeah, let's try it again. Strategize it with partnership, whatever it may be, and, and let it and let it go. I said, I, you know, I have things happen now with my events where I'm like, oh Lord, this happened or that happened. <laughs> you know, I've had events where the popper permits were not done and the people are like, you can't have this here. I'm calling the city. And, you know, and you're just like, you have to be able to, uh, it is the day of the event and someone's coming out and they're like, we don't have the right permits for this. You can't set up here. What is we do? And you have to adjust. 
right then and there. I'm a problem solver. I was just telling a co- old colleague of mine, I said, I'm about resolution. I'm about being, being able to solve problems. So don't just bitch about the problem. What is the next step to solve it? And not a lot of people, not a lot of people process. People process things in different ways. And that is not necessarily people would, would wallow in the mess, right? Mm-hmm. People- My hand is in the air. I- <laughs> I'd be like, but why? And you need to be working on how to fix the problem Mm -hmm. in the midst of the problem. Can't wallow, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay, it's happened. Great. That's all right. Let's move on. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. You got to move on. You got to move on. So, um, you know, I said, so people process things differently and everyone has different personalities. You know, some people are real anal, real good with their business. Well, you know, it has really great development, growth development. And when you don't have a partner, sometimes when you're by yourself, you have to be your own motivation, right? When you're getting down and whatever I said, when you failed or whatever, sometimes people have partners who's like, come on, let's, and they're the person who's like the, your chair, the rallier. When you have it yourself and it's just you, you have to rally yourself. (laughs) Right. Mm-hmm. When you're tired, like I'm tired of this crap, you know, mm-hmm. you have to be like, okay, get your ass up and get back on that horse and let's go. Mm-hmm. And in the same breath, when you have a major success, you can look in that mirror and say, you did that. You and, did that. And celebrate yourself and be very proud of what you did yourself because but not let that also make you bigger than your britches you know what i mean right people like oh i did that i did that. Eh. okay let me tell you about certain th- certain people's attention span has goes like this now mm-hmm. right yeah. so you're only as good as your last event right, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. like per se or you're only good as your last whatever it may be accomplishment then people mm-hmm. forget that they forget yeah. it it's gone Gone, gone, gone. Yeah, you got <laughs> to like, do it again. What's next? You got to do it again. What is next? Mm-hmm. And you have to, and, and also just about growth too. You got to challenge yourself. People get comfortable in their success sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't want to push themselves and challenge themselves to a, another level. So things are constantly changing. You know, you're, you've seen a lot of companies die off because they were resistant to change. Right. They were resistant to challenging their workforce to do something different. Mm-hmm. So then what happens is, you know, they're forced to change. Just like when radio, that was happening with radio, radio and the music industry, they weren't making any money mm-hmm. because they were not ahead of the curve when it came to the changes of streaming. Right. So it had to be a kick in the ass for them to lose money and things to go through, people lose jobs and all this stuff for them to now know how to monetize through the streaming and create a different platform for them to make money in. The music industry is back to a certain extent because people are able to, you know, capitalize on this whole streaming and title and, and Spotify, you know, they, they were able to adapt eventually, but it, ha- it took a minute because I said, companies are so used to doing the same old, same old, same old. Mm-hmm. And then something broke, don't fix it. Yeah, it is, bro. You know, supermarkets, same old, and then Amazon comes along. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> right. Amazon is here. What are we going to do? Got to change. Got to adapt. Got to be able to make, you know, quick delivery service. There's always going to be someone better than you, younger than you, smarter mm-hmm. than you, doing something else. So you got to make sure your quality work stays high and then push yourself to do something else. I was like talking to a client of mine and he interviewed two, two people. He interviewed me and he interviewed someone else to do this, this event that he wanted to do. And he was just like, the guy just came and he just expected that he was going to get it. Number one, came unprepared and they didn't give him a proposal. Didn't say, he just didn't push himself. And this guy's capable, smart guy. I know him, but he just still, he's stuck. You know, he's too comfortable, too comfortable thinking like, man, I throw great events, but I'm not looking for people to show up. I'm looking for a great event. Like I'm not just looking because you have quantity of folks. I'm looking for a quality behind it. So we can have less people, but more quality demo. Yeah. (laughs) So I said, if you are sitting at your desk and you're just like, okay, I'm a worry wart. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. I'm not telling you to, you know, deter you from your dreams, but start small. 
I'm always a big person on starting small and building on it. Um, making sure that uh, if this, that was successful, all right, give them a little tidbit more. All right, give a little bit tidbit more, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um, let's grow on that. And it will eventually manifest into something great. Mm -hmm. um, If you're consistent and persistent with it, I just, I'm always like, you know, consistency and persistency. You know, Steve Jobs has a, you know, his autobiography is really good because he just was a very persistent person and he was consistent like with his product and his brand and he was, he just did not stop and he would shove it down your throat. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. <laughs> of, of and that's how you have to be yeah. about your thing. You know, there was this, this daily devotional thing that I read every day. It's, um, Alan Cohen, Daily Dose of Sanity. And yesterday's message was about, and I'm just paraphrase it, you know, this group was warring, one group was in up in the mountains, and one group was in the lowlands, and they stole this woman's baby and took it up into the mountains. And, you know, they said, oh, we got to get together and go get her baby. But they were from the lowlands, so they weren't used to climbing mountains and going up high and all this stuff. And basically, they got together. They attempted for half a day and they said, oh, we can't do it. Next thing you know, they look, the mother of the child is coming down from the mountains with her baby. And they Mm -hmm. said, how did you do what we weren't able to do? Mm -hmm. And she said, it wasn't your baby. Mm. And the whole point being that whatever your business is, your idea, your goal, it's your goal. So you have to be more passionate about it than anybody. And you have to believe in it enough to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, because it's your baby. And if you don't feel that way, it's not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, I started a new business this year. My my uh, partner, she's, she hasn't really been an entrepreneur. She's been support for her husband, who is an entrepreneur. And I, you know, had to let her, you know, have a, have a conversation with her. Like, you know, it's all great in the beginning. And then, then you're seven months into it, you know, first mm-hmm. two, three months, it's new, it's all fresh, it's shiny. And then seven, eight months into it, you have to find that same passion that you were so excited about with life and, and stuff, you know, you're not going to get always get the interview you want. Mm-hmm. People are not going to always be responsive. They have other things going on. You're not going to be told no. You're going to be told no. You're going to be ignored. Yeah. But yeah, I keep trying. I was like, I have to let her know. I was like, how do you think LeBron and Kobe are become great? I was like, because they keep shooting. Mm-hmm. They keep shooting. Like, yeah. So they put up so many numbers that the probability of success is going to be higher. I was like, so you have to keep shooting, you know, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And something is going to happen because your probability of success is going to increase. Right. Because you're going to make that bucket. You're going to make it. You know, (laughs) you keep shooting your shot. Success isn't easy. Everybody would be successful if it was easy. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's not easy. It's the people who kept the state the course. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to trust the process. You know, if you feel deep in your stomach and your heart that this is what you want or whatever it is, go for it, man. If you fail, then you learn. Right. (laughs) And you know what to not do the next time or what to do the same the next time. Yes. It's it's really, you know, we have our our online thing called Total Package and we always say it's an oxymoron because, you know, things always suffer. You know, things, there's always sacrifices. Life is not always just one big equal bowl of whatever like if you're doing good over here sometimes this suffers if you're doing if your relationship and your marriage is really important sometimes your business may suffer a little bit you know because they're not getting your attention if you're super successful sometimes your personal life suffers because you're giving all your energy to something else you know but it's a balance you know sometimes things are ups and downs and that's where you find a partner that kind of understands that Mm-hmm. Right. And it's supportive in that way. And I'm glad you mentioned total package because I was going to ask, you mentioned you had another business. So what are the other projects that you're involved in? So I have um, total package, which is a online magazine for women, um, women, women empowerment. And, you know, we deal with marriage and intimacy, lifestyle, fitness, and singles. Uh, that's our MILFs. That's our acronym that we use for total package. And then we also fe- feature on women entrepreneurs and business leaders. So that was like my biggest component when coming into um, this business was the fact that I wanted to highlight different women in different industries uh, and different careers doing different things. So women see that 
I could be on my own smoothie king over here. You know what it takes to do that. I could be a radio personality, what it takes to do that. I could be a lobbyist, what it takes to do that. Show all of these really dynamic women doing amazing things to encourage other women to look at those careers instead of thinking that you just could be, you know, you just have the, the very conventional uh, career opportunities. Um, Cause I felt like, especially with the African-American community, I just feel like we always lack the resources. Mm-hmm. We always lack the information, right? We, yeah. we, we don't have the uncle or the aunt that is doing A, B, C, and D who takes us underneath their wing and says, Oh yeah. Oh, you want to be a lobbyist? Oh, let's call Joe down at so-and-so and get you an internship. You know, right. mm-hmm. people don't even know what a lobbyist does. You know what right. that means? Mm-hmm. Um, what it means to be a franchisee, to own your own smoothie king. What, what does that mean? Um, yeah. So, you know, on tpthemag.com, we try to show those women, try to give those stories of how they succeeded, how they failed, with the lessons they learned. Um, and, you know, and create a different type of voice, a, tip, a different type of voice that's not, that's not really um, out there and, and provide different resources um, and information, especially for young women. I love that. And I might add that I've contributed to TPS yes. as a writer, and I appreciate that platform. And one of the, the posts that I contributed actually talks about finding it all or having it all in relationships. And is that possible? Mm-hmm. Um, so if people get a chance, y'all can go check that out. Yeah, no, Ronnie was great. You know, she was one of the first people I thought of and I'm like, she is dynamic. And um, I know oh. you're very insightful on a whole lot of different topics and is, is able to articulate that um, to our audience. And I said, you know, I, I, I look and I, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a strategic person, you know, I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> how does this make sense for us? How do we reach a different type of audience? Um, mm-hmm. And that's what you kind of have to do in your business too. You, 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 I said, you always have to challenge yourself. You know, I, everyone becomes complacent and sometimes I've been complacent, like, oh, I'm making a lot of money. I don't really have to do anything right now. And I'm like, oh no, but you know, that's how you, you have to always think when you have your own business. You always have to think ahead. I always tell people, like even people who hire you, like you have to be so thankful and grateful because they don't have to cut you a check. Mm-hmm. You know, some, you don't, don't they have choices and who they yeah. do business with. Don't have the sense of entitlement. Make sure that you're professional. Make, make sure that you take care of the people that are cutting your, you know, your, your clients. Make sure you're doing what you're sending. A, if they're giving you, they're writing you a check for a thousand dollars. You sending them a, a two dollar uh, Christmas card. That goes a long way. I had a client. I sent this book to him. We only worked with each other once. I sent him this beautiful book on sneakers. I had done an opening of a, a store for him, grand opening, and I just sent him a book about sneakers. And he was just like, he texted me like, "Oh my God, I didn't expect this." Mm-hmm. And I'm like. Well, you, you know, I want to do more business with you. So, you know, think of me when you are doing other things. And that's, I was going to ask you because you mentioned the importance of relationships throughout the conversation. And I think that a lot of people in general, especially now with this digital age that we're in, they don't know how to really cultivate real relationships. Do you have some tips on that? Um. You know, I think, you know, you, you have to be out there, right? I think that uh, what I did, what, I, I needed to learn that there are different aspects of my business. And what I did was put myself in different forums, um, seminars, um, fairs, whatever it was, just to have your face be a consistent face in the industry. Um, so they know that you're serious, you know, follow up with people, um, you know, ask people, you people, people, people don't get asked to do anything, right. You know, invite them to lunch, uh, pick their brains. Um, you know, some people will be receptive. Some people will not be receptive. Don't take it personal. Uh, and I just think that you should, um, you know, I'm not as great as per- person I should be as far as like following up, right? I'm mm-hmm. like, cause I, I'm a very organic person. I really, I, I hate forcing, but some people, some people are better socializers than I am. You know, I'm not a huge socializer. Um, I like organic relationships. I like if we sit down and happen to be at a luncheon or something and we start having 
uh, a conversation, then, mm-hmm. and it's organically formed and it's not forced, and then yeah. we just happen to exchange phone numbers, or then we see each other again at another event, and we ha- and it just happens to be that way. And it, people will, um, to me, it's, it's just a more genuine connection. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I said, if you're great at socializing, by all means, follow up. I would do also just tell them um, any way you can help them. You're open to it. Mm-hmm. That's another way of just kind of getting your foot in the door because people are always thinking that you're going to expect something from them. And free labor is so important. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just say, hey, can I shadow you for a day? Whatever it is. And then also Mm -hmm. always think ahead. Like when I was working at MSNBC, I was just a little intern and I, I knew the sports person was going away and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a reel from all his past stuff. I didn't know. I was still young. I was an intern. I didn't know. But I came back. I sat there with the tapes, went over and did like this memory reel of all his past things and, and, and then put it together. I mean, it wasn't probably that great, but the fact that I logged all of that stuff and pulled all this material, then they were able to like produce it and do what they needed to do as his little farewell wheel. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And that's the kind of stuff I showed initiative. I showed that I was willing to do work for free or extra work that I wasn't supposed to do. And you just need to figure out what's your passion. What Mm -hmm. makes you, you know, wake up in the morning every day excited about your job. And that's the, that's the path you go. Like I have my own event production company, but then I also do marketing promotion, street team, you know, outreach and have federal contracts. So that was something that I learned when I was like deciding and evolving in my business. I didn't think about that initially. And I'm sure that as time continues to go on and this world continues to evolve, you may find something else that is like, oh, I can turn this into another side hustle or this can be another branch and this can be this. Yeah. Well, there's so many elements, you know, when you look like, you know, Colin Cowie, if you're familiar with him, he's done a lot of work with Oprah with her events. And then he has his own line of this, you know, because he's done so many different events. So, you know, he's, he speaks at different seminars and he has this line of decor and uh, Nate Burkus, you know, Mm -hmm. these, All these things are things that you can kind of evolve into just with the growth of your company. And so if someone's listening now and they want to learn more about you, they want to call and shadow you, they want you to produce their next event, how do they get in touch with you? Sure. I mean, you can always visit my website, um, www.sonjieproductions.com. That's with an S.com, sonjieproductions.com. Give me a call. 410-24-8327. You know, I mean, I said, I'm always open. I'm always willing to speak to young folks about this business and um, what are the steps that you need to do. Some of them, some, some stuff I still need to follow my own advice on, you know, but at least I had someone to tell me what Mm -hmm. I needed to do. And it's a process. It's not a destination. It's a constant work in progress. Constant. As I said, you get a lot of no's, but they get a couple of yeses that really matter. Thank you so very much for listening to the Lonnie Swain Show podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And of course, sharing is caring. So if you know someone you think might enjoy this podcast, please pass it along. Until next time, go where you are celebrated and appreciated, not just tolerated. Have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you soon.